Hi, this is Jay Todd Anderson, and you are listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. It's the start of the next edition of Filmically Perfect on 91.3 WYSO. I'm Nikki Dakota, joined in the studio today by the film guys, the one and only film guys. In fact, the one and only particularly singular George Williman, the nitrate film archivist for the Library of Congress, is sitting right here in this studio. And uh, I don't think we have to tell all, everyone exactly what movie's coming up, but we do have to uh, welcome you. Thanks for being here, George. Thank you for having me. Also, George is wearing a uh, wetsuit with a scuba tank, and he's got a shark gun in his hand. There's something very scary about this movie we're going to be talking about. Before I want to uh, get into that, though, we welcome and are so pleased to see storyboard artists for the Coen Brothers and George Clooney and, oh, just all kinds of stuff. You'd be amazed. Check him out uh, on uh, online, if you will. We can check him out right here live. J. Todd Anderson. J. Todd, thanks for being here. I got a shark fin tied to my back, and George and I are in here playing games with Nikki. Nikki's like on a hook. And we're playing the Jaws water. In here. Yes. We're ready. Yeah. To- <laughs> Indeed, the movie that, uh, as we every Friday come together and celebrate some of <laughs> some of the finest films ever made. We bring our attention this time around to Jaws, and I will tell you what. What was the tagline on that movie? Something about you, you'll never go back in the water, or or you'll be afraid to, or just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water. I can't yeah, I remember, but right I bought it. I bought that completely. I Who very nearly didn't? did never swim in the ocean again. It was years, years People that went by. People wouldn't swim in Kaiser Lake because of it. <laughs> yeah. Jaws did for swimming what Psycho did for showers. <laughs> I've heard that people had a real problem with sitting on the toilet with this movie. How yeah, funny! Totally I thought bizarre. I was the I only one. I actually read that one time that the yeah. person had an aversion to water, and sitting on the toilet was a big deal. I'm telling you what, it was absolutely frightening to uh, the young girl that was myself. What year was that out? I can't. 1975. Summer of 75. <laughs> the and summer I of no one saw on the beaches at the State Theater in Springfield, Ohio, and I could not because there was a show on before I went in there. People were screaming their lungs out. The doors had opened. It was just, it was unbelievable. I couldn't wait to see this movie. I'll tell you what, uh, as we gather to uh, take a look at Jaws today, let's uh, remember that this is not some notion that just comes idly or easily to the film guys. No, there are very set, very etched in stone rules that dictate Copywritten rules. That's right. And gentlemen, those rules are... The rules of perfection, you ask? Yes. Could that possibly be that this movie Jaws creates the world that it exists in? And then it wholly sustains that world. And regardless of changes in society, it retains its meaning and entertainment values to this day. And unlike everybody else's list, this <laughs> list has no numerical order. Every film is stands on its own two feet. Or <laughs> fins. Two fins. <laughs> 
perfect in every way. Now, oh, uh, this baby, this movie is a perfect movie. In fact, they never classify it as a horror film, and that's exactly what it is. I, they always, it's usually drama, George, do you adventure, think? Adventure or a thriller or something like that. This is a horror movie. This oh, yeah, is, it this is. This uh, terror. That's what this movie is. It's, it's constructed cinematic terror. Someone right. who do, classifies this as, as adventure has never seen the movie. I mean, <laughs> come on. No, I mean, the, the shark in it is just this soulless thing, this eating machine with dead eyes. Just, His name's you know, Bruce. That just keeps coming after him and coming after him and coming after him. <laughs> You know, I first saw this movie, I thought, it's sort of like Moby Dick. Well, not not really. It's not really like Moby Dick at all. No, yeah, in it fact, is not. You know? <laughs> it's no resemblance other than that there is water and a sea-swimming animal. Um, let's take a second to sort of paint the scene that starts, I'll tell you what, I remember to this day, I haven't seen it since it was out in 70, say, oh, 75. Yeah. 1975. In 75. It, was one of the it first, might have been just after there. This is one of the first summer blockbuster movies, right, right before... Uh, Star Wars, which is 30 years old now, uh, this was the thing that started summer. Block, be, but because before then, there really wasn't it. Summer was roll up the carpets and go outside, don't watch movies. Right. But this oh. was the first movie to really set the marketing going for summer movies. Don't I you can think, George? Picture, oh, yeah, definitely. I can picture that movie poster with jaws and big, and thick They always show the naked girl that. swimming in the water. Okay, always. now see, that's it. Don't that forget about that, Nikki. That scared me to death. That. Okay, I remember the well, movie we poster. told you you got to wear a swimsuit I when would... you go swimming. <laughs> that's right. You're invisible to sharks <laughs> when, you wear, when you wear a swimsuit. No, I remember the sound that she made. She was out there swimming, and you begin to you hear that music, the music we heard You're as sharky, the intro. Sharky, sharky. Yeah, kitty, kitty. And, and, and the, the sound that she made when that shark grabbed her and took her down and then she cool. came back up she was gassy because <laughs> she was trying to get her breath and i could just hear it. i heard that i see hear it now i hear it now it's it's crazy scary look behind you <laughs> and how yeah yeah okay so on that note George and is that gonna, is in the George opening is give us a rundown scenes, on jaws yeah that includes that poor well, girl well, the interesting thing this is sort of a side note to that is that uh, shortly after this film uh, steven spielberg did his comedy masterpiece in 1941. Let's not oh, and to, that. To, well, no, listen. When it starts out, 1941 starts out with a parody of the opening of Jaws, if you remember. Girl gets out of the car, and she's a Polar Bear Club member. She gets in the water, and and and, and then you know the bubbles start coming up, and she ends up getting lifted up on this Japanese submarine. But the interesting thing is it's the same girl. Oh, in, as is in it? Susan, Susan Linebacking, I think her name is, and they had the same girl play both parts. Oh, isn't he sneaky clever? Yes, indeed. Yeah. So run out and see that movie right yeah. away, folks. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, yes, at the beginning of the movie, uh, some kids are having a party on the beach, and this one girl decides to go for skinny dip in the ocean, and she gets attacked by something and gets pulled under. And um, we then, uh, the scene changes to, like, the next day, uh, they find her remains on the beach, and the sheriff... Of, uh, of the town of Amity is brought in. This is Roy Scheider. And he realizes that, the, you know, what happened to her? You know, did she get hit by a motorboat? What is this awful thing? And they begin to think that there might be a shark causing trouble. They bring in this oceanologist played by um, by Richard Dreyfus, very young Richard Dreyfus. Oh, my yes. About two years after. Uh, his best role, man. His, his best and, role. Um, and he tells him, no, this is a shark. This is a shark. This is a big shark. And it's out there. And you got to do something. Well, of course, it's the summer season. The beaches are getting ready to open. Amity is totally devoted to tourism. That's how it makes its money. They can't get the town to close down the beaches. Well, at about this time, the shark comes back and attacks this young boy on a raft 
and and who looks like a fish, doesn't he? Don't they show him from underneath and he's on a raft and he's got his arms, yeah, he's and, got legs his arms and legs out in there and the, so he the looks thing, like a and this just horrific scene of this oh. of the shark grabbing him and his little raft goes up and the spray of blood goes up in the air and and uh, this is where you know it, it just starts getting more and more horrific. The 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 bereaved mother comes and 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 slaps the the, the sheriff in the face and tells him why didn't you do something about this? And of course his hands are tied. And uh, you know the the mayor of the town will not do anything about this shark because of money. Played by Murray Hamilton. Oh, yeah. very very good part, mm-hmm. excellent part. Until finally, until finally, so many people have been destroyed and the beaches are closed down and the you know business has just fallen apart that uh, they bring in quint played by robert shaw probably the best sort Absolutely. of pirate impersonation since uh, treasure island and robert shaw tells him you know oh, this this shark you know eat your hole and, <laughs> and he does the infamous infamous scene where he drags his fingernails down the blackboard right. and shuts everybody up establishes his character right out of the box right so quint offers you know for for an amount of money he'll go out and he'll catch this shark and he'll take care of it and he ends up taking along uh matt hooper the oceanologist and the sheriff who is deathly afraid of boats <laughs> and so the second half of the movie is is more of the sort of moby dick thing where they go out and they hunt the shark or r- rather the shark hunts them and it's huge in yeah. comparison this to shark the shark is so smart then in the sequel movies it chases uh, the sheriff, uh, Sheriff Brody, is that his name, Sheriff Brody? Yeah, Brody. Sh- chases his wife all the way down the continent to Florida and Texas. That's <laughs> how smart, smart this shark, shark. is. Yeah. yeah, it has a GPS system, you know, before <laughs> anybody else does. And in the sequels, it chases people all around the continent. A global you know? positioning shark, yeah. Yeah. But anyways, they, you know, the three of them, the three of them end up... <laughs> They end up quite a, a quite a, a triple a trio of comrades, you know, showing each other their scars and that kind of thing. And, I re- uh, another thing that I remember so clearly is the I'm tired and I want to go yes. home. Oh, great, the, them singing and getting drunk, and that's what lets their guard well, yeah. down. Well, that, well, that's the, the the scene where they're you know Hooper Hooper and and Quint are showing each other all their battle scars. But he's talking and it's about one of my the- it's one of my favorite moments because poor uh, Roy Scheider sitting over there, and at one point he kind of looks down he looks at his appendix scar and goes no no no, 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 no but yeah they let their guard down and that's when the shark hits the boat the first time but he's telling this bone chilling tale of the USS Indianapolis oh, yeah. and how he was on it and they were eaten by sharks but he tells it is the best campfire story you know in movies he's sitting there and you're sitting there and it is a, it is oh. a story too, right? from then on yeah the USS Indianapolis really got a the you know it was a, the the captain was uh, honorably discharged or something. It was kind of a bad deal. But because of this movie, one of the good things that come out of this movie, besides every shark being hunted and killed, uh, was the fact that the U.S. Indianapolis uh, had a lot more awareness thrown onto it because, simply because of Quint's story in this yeah. movie. I think, yeah, because a lot of people didn't know about it. I think they actually did reopen it. I think the captain was finally exonerated, I believe. Well, that's grand, grand really yeah, I unexpectedly nice and yeah. maybe unintended consequence or maybe, yeah, who knows? Well, that's nice. All right, so that's when the shark hits for the first time. Right. And, uh, so anyways, Hooper, Hooper decides to go down in a cage and try to inoculate the shark and kill it with some poison. That's just not but a good idea. No, it doesn't work. The cage gets destroyed, and Hooper ostensibly looks like he's been he's been destroyed as well. And then the shark really goes to town, rips off the back end of the boat, you know, takes care of Quint, um, and basically leaves the terrified sheriff who's afraid of water in, the first in a place, sinking yeah. boat, and he's coming after him. 
you know, and uh, well, we'll stop there so we don't have to play the spoiler alert because. Oh no, let's uh, play it. Let's play it. No, we're gonna spoil it. No, we'll let people go and see. Go and see the movie if you haven't seen it. It is seen it on, so it's on television worth all being time during scared the for. I mean, yeah, this really, this is a perfect summer movie for you, folks. You know, to, to listen to what we're talking about. And for those and for those of you who are fortunate enough to be in an area that has an actual summer movie theater at a series, if you can see this movie on the big screen, go and see it because it. About five years ago, I got to see it again on the big screen with an audience of like, like octogenarians, and uh, and it was truly amazing. This movie has lost none of its power in thirty years. This is a cinematic masterpiece. It is built and designed to provoke you in any every way. This is probably cine- Steven Spielberg's best cinematic effort ever, and he was only twenty six years old when really? he directed this. Yeah. I was still drooling at that age. That's amazing. Well, what? he was too, but I mean, you know. <laughs> somebody get Nikki a We're talking about Jaws on Filmically Perfect on 91.3 WYSO. And, you know, the reason, as far as the rules are concerned, certainly creates and sustains the uh, world. Yeah, but no the reason why it is so fully fulfills rule number three is that Horror is horror, no matter when or where you are. Scared to death is scared well, to death. Yeah, and I think what what makes really effective horror is if it is is, is a, a horror that you can imagine happening to you. The things in movies that always creep me out the most would be like someone getting a paper cut, or getting <laughs> cut by glass, or something that you know could really happen to you. And this one getting attacked by a shark, yes, oh, it could man. really happen. Yeah, it's a little. Different from Giant Ants and them. Not that yeah. that's a bad movie. Unless um, you don't go in the ocean. So so this was the, the sort of the beginning of the summer, the great summer blockbuster. And I have to imagine that yeah, some this states is, this were... This set the tone for uh, marketing in the summertime. The, uh, but some states were pretty uh, pretty uh, maybe up in arms to the fact that... I mean, I just have to imagine that that summer not as many people went for their beach vacations. I just have to imagine that's true. I'm, I'm sure it did, especially up oh, around Massachusetts goodness. and you know all along the, the Virginia coast and everything. I'm sure a lot of people were worried about their business along the coast. If you go and rent, this is a pretty easy movie to got, to buy at Best Buy or whatever stores you can buy these things at. But one of the things you want to try and do, if you can, is get this movie called Duel. It's by Steven Spielberg when he was probably 19 years old, uh, and he made it for television. Like Duel, like Sword Duel? No, this is about a truck that chases Dennis Weaver in a really cool little I valiant... I saw that. And this is the seeds of Jaws. This this thing plays... It's, it's a toss-up for me sometimes. I do think that this is his best cinematic effort, but Duel was an awfully great movie. Um, you... You should watch both of these movies. This is our Steven Spielberg primer here. Duel is still to this day one of the greatest movies ever made. And he did this with just so little effort. It looks And money. Easy. You're imagining. It looks easy, but I'm sure that he put a lot of skill into this movie. But watch both of these movies because they're very similar. The, the, the big semi-truck that's chasing Dennis Weaver is very much like this shark. Cold, lifeless. You know, as the guy in the you never see the guy in the truck. He said once, and he waves them around. There's a great scene in Duel. We're not. We'll talk about it when we do Duel. But when he pushes Dennis Weaver into this railroad train, very slowly with <laughs> yeah. his with his Just huge out of nowhere, truck. this yeah, big yeah, yeah. truck appears. And <laughs> it, there's so many similarities in Steven Spielberg's uh, style that, like when we talked about Hitchburg, Hitchcock, excuse me. <laughs> um, yeah, Hitchburg. Spielcock, you know, those guys. Hitchcock, when he, Shadow of a Doubt became other movies, there's, watch Duel first and then watch this movie uh, because everything cinematically is, is operating uh, in Duel and then it comes to fruition in Jaws in a big, big way. And it still is 
one of the scariest movies ever made. Yeah, and again, Duel is the same way. It's 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 kind of a horror film because anyone who's driven down any major highway and gotten caught in between two big semis, yeah, it's scary. And particularly you know? if one gets a little vengeance for you there too. Yeah. I mean, I always think of Dennis Weaver, you know, having a meltdown in that little valiant when that truck is pushing him all over the road. <laughs> Is it worth talking about any of the sequels to the movie Jaws? Now, were no, those we already no. did? We the, the, the Jaws becomes a very, very intelligent, you know. And they were oh right, well, but the, the, also directed by Spielberg or not? No, no. He, oh, so he, he farmed uh, it out. Yeah, well, Universal. I mean, it was made for Universal. I'm sure Universal owned it probably lock, stock, and barrel, and they still do to this day. So it became one of their franchise titles, and they did number two, and then they did number three, which was in 3D. And oh, did, appropriate three, three right? D, and they did uh, number four also, which I've heard is really bad. And when you walked out the exit, they had a rubber thing that put teeth marks on your arm so you could. Right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so you could come back in later. <laughs> but now this this movie as well also spawned the 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 giant chomping fish movie, you know, because uh, after this we have Piranha, and oh. we have which is up, John Sayles, <laughs> up from the depths. And, uh, well, Alligator, which is also John Sayles. Yeah. Uh, He's one of our heroes, man. Tentacles. Tentacles, which is the Italian version, which has John Huston and Shelley Winters in and, it. And what's that really cool movie? Carp. Carp. Yeah. Carp. <laughs> uh <Nuh-uh>, really? <laughs> <laughs> to be followed by Crappy. I feel my legs being a little pulled uh, yeah, here. Unfortunately, folks, <laughs> not that we pelt you with bad jokes all the time, but we often have to talk about sequels because most of the movies we talk about are great movies, so that means one thing to the studios. Let's jump on this horse and ride it till it falls over. And what a shame! <laughs> but luckily, it doesn't really diminish the original. Lucky, luckily, you know, well, I mean, you as can't... long as we don't talk about those darn sequels too much. <laughs> so, not a one of them directed by Spielberg. Not a one of them worth wasting your eyeballs on. Yeah. yeah. But, um... Some of the really cool stuff in this movie is at the end where he puts. Um, Am I am I doing the spoiler alert now where I tell him how he kills the shark? Well, if you gotta do it. Ah no! I tripped the lever. There it is. <laughs> you might as well say. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, when he when he says. Yo, son of a! And he fires into the into the fish, and the fish is coming at him, and there's a oxygen bottle in there. Not once do you ever see that. That uh, rifle hit that bottle. All he does is pull on the trigger, and the thing explodes. That's just how far he's got you in this movie. And I've heard him, I, I can't give you a quote on the interview, but he says, once you establish what you're doing and you get them up early, you can do anything you want. And there's really, it's all editing where he kills this fish. There's no connection there. It just, he pulls the trigger, the thing waits for a second, and then it explodes. You hear the sound effects, of course, and everything that guides you through that. But it, by that time, he's got you. You know exactly what's going to happen. He sets you up, and he takes care of you. You're entertained. Yeah, I mean, that editing, the editing he uses there goes all the way back to, like, D.W. Griffith and Intolerance. I mean, he, um, <clears throat> excuse me, he, he just builds and builds and cuts shorter and shorter and shorter and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And, of course, John Williams' music, which is just one, Building. Of, the, one of his great all-time scores. Um, just builds and builds and builds, and you are so wrapped up. You know, you're yanking the arms off the chair and, and everything else. And all this stuff's set up early, and you know what's going to happen. Uh, you're not going to get up and go get a beer while it's happening. You want to watch it. <laughs> and one of the reasons, George and I always say that most of the time our movies are perf- 
are perfect movies because so many times because the score. Where would this movie be without the score? John Williams score. No doubt it's a great it, you know, the book was pretty good. I remember reading that thinking, this will make a good movie. There are a couple uh, of music uh, movie music soundtracks that have actual meaning. If you do the banjo ding 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 everybody knows what you're talking about. If you go everybody knows what you're talking about. And it helps when you go ding when you go ding 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 boy your shoe got a pretty mouth. That's for people that are really slow. But you don't even have to do that. And that's and that has the same impact of this music. Just to prove how effective that score is, I'm going to pause for three seconds, and then George is going to do it for us. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one. It has meaning. It has transcended just a series of tones. It has become an actual sort of way of saying, look out, look out. Well, not only that, but there is one line out of this movie, I think, that has become a quotable, and we have it for you right here. You're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> Just that quick. It's like two seconds. Yeah, and that's pure cinema there, too, because he's chumming, he's chumming, and then all of a sudden that shark appears. And if you see it on the big screen, it is so cool. Right. And all his only response is, you're going to need a bigger boat. That's great. And, I know. And, and, shark, and you agree right away. The shark itself was, was kind of an interesting tool for the movie because they had built this, this incredible animated uh, robotic shark to do all these special effects. And a great story that I heard about this was um, when they, they first, you know, they built the shark and they tested it out in Hollywood. They brought it east and they were, they put it in the water and they were going to, and it, they had people around watching them film, you know, because they were in a public area. And they said, oh, let's, you know, let's, let's give these people a real thrill. Let's make the shark jump out of the water for them. <laughs> and what had happened is someone had not realized when they were working on it out in Hollywood, they were testing it in a tank, okay, which is freshwater tank. They put it in the ocean. And of course the ocean is salt water. Oh. And the salt in the salt water can do all sorts of funny things to electronics. Corrode, yeah. Right. And it also causes all sorts of interesting electrolysis and stuff like that. So they got ready to do this great – have the shark leap up out of the water and scare everybody. And they turned all the buttons and they cranked the levers and the shark leapt up backwards and mooned everybody. <laughs> Which is not nearly sort of not has the nearly impact. Not effective. <laughs> oh, that's really scary. There's, there's been a lot written about how difficult this movie was, was to make. But here's one thing you've got to consider about movie making. Or if you have your own little camera at home, it's easy to put something on a tripod and work with it on land, even on a dolly or a crane. But once you start dealing with water... Water is a difficult thing to move cameras. Everything, if you plan like eight hours for a day on a standard day, you may as well plan two or three days with water. A deliverance was the same thing. They were on water. Water pretty much tells you where that camera is going to go. And that's what I understand when they were making this movie way back in 1975, how they had schedule problems because what George was talking about, and then you add that huge life-size shark, no digitization here. There was a real thing, a real mechanical apparatus, and then you're dealing with water. I was, it makes you wonder, what in the world was Kevin Costner thinking? But anyway, so you've got this... this <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> so you've got this very unpredictable, very sort of... It was a very expensive movie to make. Uh, they spent a lot of money on this movie trying to get it right. And I've read where a lot of it came together in the editing room because they were having such a difficult time getting standard photography on this movie. Yeah, because like I said, the salt water alone would... I mean, water's bad enough, but again, salt water... Corrodes metal, and it conducts metal electricity, electricity, right? Yeah. So, so you've got connections made that you don't want made, and what are you going to do? Your mm. shark barks, and then there you are. But hey, 
it worked obviously <laughs> it was worth the effort maybe that's why you don't see and and that's another masterful aspect of this you don't see the shark terribly much it's no, all no. The, yeah no he no. keeps it very under until the very end he keeps the shark under wraps which is you know which again, is, again is another good thing it's that unknown element. he said you know he well, he says you establish it first, get it really well established, then you can cheat a little bit. You'll see if you watch it nowadays, if you really watch a movie, if you're not, it's hard to watch it and not be entertained. You'll see cuts of the eye, which look kind of phony, and uh, but still, it never detracts from this picture, not for a second. And I know one thing. I know you said you you read the book and you really liked it. One thing I wanted to comment on that I think about is that this, to me, anyways is one of the few instances I've seen where I think the film is actually yeah, far superior to the book. Because well, some, some of the elements in the story in the book, I mean... In the, I do believe Hooper gets killed in the book, yeah, Hooper, but they reinforce his friendship with Sheriff Brody right. in the end of this movie. Well, and also in, in the book, Hooper has this kind of like a sort of really tacked-on affair with Sheriff Brody's wife yeah. that goes absolutely nowhere. And, and Sheriff Brody, I think, it's been a long time since I read the book, but he's having a good time with... Uh, students, student girls in that mm. book. I, I can't quite remember. It seems like I was looking for this stuff. I thought, where's the action here? Where's, you know, as before the shark came, where's the, where's the action with the girls and stuff? Because I was yeah. 15 years old. <laughs> so I, I'm thinking that actually the movie may have solidified Peter Benchley's uh, sort of his, his fame even more than the book did because the film is better. Which is rare. Looking, yeah. The book was big. It was a, it was yeah. a big seller. But as George says, this is plainly one of these things where the book's going to be remembered, but this is going to be cut into your brain forever, this movie. So what was the next movie that Spielberg did after this? Um, I believe it was Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Oh, how about that? How about that? And I think he got to do that one. That was a personal project. And I think he got to do that one pretty much on the strength of this one. Another reason to love Jaws. That's the movie we're talking about today on Filmically Perfect on 913WYSO. Joined in the studio today, I'm Nikki Dakota. We've got the film guys in-house. And I agree wholeheartedly. It's It creates the world. You are sucked in. You are along for every crest of every wave. <laughs> and it is scary to up to this minute if you now, saw it right now. <laughs> now here's something here's something i've got to add here something i gotta add here this is apropos of absolutely nothing oh do tell do but, tell um, those of you who who know the internet new movie database if you go up to the internet new movie database and look up jaws they've added this new thing on the main page of plot keywords which basically you can go into you can go and search for a film under certain keywords and they'll show up on these films but if you look up jaws the plot keywords for this movie are breasts, no. suspense, disturbing, gore, and dog. That must be Jaws. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of sums oh, it up. He eats a dog, doesn't he? That's right. Oh, man. It's pretty cool when they're cutting that shark's belly open. They're throwing all sorts of that stuff out. Uh, Quince. License plate. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the license no, plate. just about anything. <laughs> It's filmically perfect. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And if you would like to see uh, some of the films that are on our list, or at least listen in on some We're of the shows. We're thinking about putting some of those keywords on the films that we've reviewed here. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Stop by our website at perfectmovie.net. Or please do send us an email. It's filmguys at perfectmovie.net. Or there's links to all this information and a great deal more at our website at wyso.org. As usual, gentlemen, as always, a pleasure with a little sneak peek of next week. 
Sneak peek next week, sneak peek, or is it a mystery? Uh, it's going to be a surprise. Oh, how about that? All right, we'll tune in. These questions and many more answered on next Filmically Perfect. It's Friday afternoons at 1230 on 91.3 WYSO. Jay Todd, thank you for being here. Oh, I... Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> and as always, George Willeman, a treat to have you on site and uh, all kinds of things up your sleeve, and we'll learn more in the weeks to come. Not anymore. Yeah, the shark bit it off. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like I've been had as well. <laughs> See you next time, gents. Bye. Thank you for listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. Please keep an ear out for new episodes of Filmically Perfect, coming very soon to iTunes and hosted on our website, www.perfectmovie.net. See you, please.